Welcome to another Ambushed. My name is John, and this one is called, get this, Heap Burning Coals on Their Heads. That's a good title. So, welcome back. Thank you for listening. This is going to be a great episode. This one has been, well, I guess in the works for kind of a little more than a week now. But this idea I've had in my back pocket for close to 10 years, and I have only shared this insight probably less than three times. So I am quite excited about this, but I'm also on a high because my brother and his lady were in from Scotland for the past week for his birthday, and it was awesome having him home, but... uh Now he's back on the flight, headed back to Scotland, which is awesome. That's great for him. It was a a treat and a treasure, obviously, to be around family. But uh, this is another episode, and before we get started, I need to give a quick shout-out to four people. So if you don't mind, I'm going to do that, and then we're going to jump right in. Uh, First off... There's a guy, Jonathan, that I know who has started his own podcast called Heart Healthy Hustle, and it's a business-oriented, trying to help people strive and thrive and and be better, and who can ever be against that? So, shout out. Hey, Jonathan. (laughs) Keep it up. You're awesome. And another one is the guy, Kevin Lester, who's got his own called Lo-Fi Lectionary, which is amazing as well. I think he was on vacation, so now he's back, and hopefully he'll be getting some good stuff out again. Uh, Thank you to Katie, because she has uh, found me on Patreon again, or, or for the first time, and so thank you. And part of this is a result of people like her, who choose to even just give me, like, A dollar or two just to say, hey, keep going. Keep doing some good things. And lastly, thanks, Katie. But also lastly, uh, about three days ago, I was in a coffee shop. And I ran into somebody who I have not seen in probably seven, eight years easily. Uh, I've kept track of his family, but (laughs) Alex... uh, yeah, Alex Rossini. What's up, man? It was good to see you in a coffee shop. And uh, I didn't quite recognize you with the dreadlocks, but as soon as I kind of eliminated all of that, yeah, you're still the same good guy that I remember. And if you're listening to this, go check out Alex's band called uh, Chevy Lopez. They're on iTunes, and it's just fun, and it's good soul, and I think R&B is what they're classified on iTunes. So shout out to those four people, and uh, I guess it's time to get on with it, isn't it? This episode is called Heap Burning Coals on Their Heads, and you can't really get a better title than that, especially when you find out that it's a direct quote from the Bible. Now, you may think that does sound like it's from the Bible because it sounds rather archaic or maybe even barbaric and 
this whole episode is about that phrase and how I agreed with you at first. That verse sounds so bad, and it's really not. So let's get on with it. I'm going to share with you uh, how I experienced this passage. It first comes from um, Romans chapter 12. Romans is a letter from Paul as he's writing back to a group of people that he was mentoring. And he quotes, really, the book of Proverbs, a, a book that's full of wisdom. And so Paul quotes this wisdom to this new audience in the city of Rome. And here's what he says. This is chapter 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. And here's the quote. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Who? The whole chapter right around there is kind of starts and finishes with this idea of whenever people throw evil on you, you should always return back with good. And uh, I guess if you were to read that verse, you might think there's a difference here because it sounds like it's encouraging people to reply with their bullies with good stuff because somehow doing good things to other people will be like punishing them as if that's the best way to go about it. So as we go through this, Here's what I want to do. I just want to share with you my own journey of experiencing this passage and then how something just completely changed it open, broke it open, and just fantastic. So now, of course, if you have any exposure to the Bible or religious circles or whatnot, you have obviously encountered people who have a self-righteous attitude or a holier-than-thou attitude, the, the idea that somehow they're on another higher plane of existence because they do things the right way. And uh, that's terrible. <laughs> but this verse that I just read about do good to those that harm you, and by doing so, you'll be throwing heaps of burning coals in their heads. Well, this verse has been used to fuel a lot of self-righteous behavior. And it yes, it can be cited as one way that the Bible seems regressive or primitive. Because come on, who puts burning coals on someone else's head unless you're trying to torture them? And so, if you were to read this passage, you might think this actually is maybe about still hurting back people that hurt you. And then you just, in a roundabout way, maybe in a self-righteous way, because now you have a Bible verse to quote, the cycle of abuse can continue on, and you bully back the bullier. And then, yeah. So here's a thought. Here's something to try. Visualize in your mind's eye 
an enemy or a, a person that has wronged you in the past. Now, this could be someone who has wronged you either recently or a long time ago. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter whether it was a large or a small hurt. All that matters is that it hurt at all. It doesn't matter when or how big, but think of someone that has wronged you. And then, <laughs> you could also say maybe just think of someone that you may want to put burning coals on their heads. So somebody that could be a full-fledged enemy for you. Now, now that you have that person in your mind, the one that hurt you either recently or a long time ago, whether it was large or small, or the other extreme, somebody that was absolutely terrible, and there's a part of you that does want to put burning coals in their heads, great. Keep that person in your mind because it helps to understand this passage by doing that. And you'll see what I mean. Now, real quick, we need to just pause and do a side side note. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I've mentioned before, has, uh, well, he wrote one of his most famous books called The Cost of Discipleship, which was a exposition or his writings on Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most famous sermons of all of human history. And in there, he talks about how the only evaluation for how good you or I or anyone else in the world knows how to love people is how much we love our enemies. Now that stings. But he's quoting, he is quoting the Sermon on the Mount, which says, everybody knows how to love their family. But who here among us knows how to love our enemies? You and I only love God or whatever the mystery is behind everything. We don't love... <laughs> no, how's it go? We love God only as much as the person that we love the least. And so that person that you have in your mind, keep that person there. Because the extent to which you love that person is the extent to which you actually love whatever is beneath and behind and sustaining everything. This mystery that we call God and life and whatever all this is about. Now, whew, that's a heavy, heavy thought that Bonhoeffer brought out. And really, Jesus said it first. Now, keeping that in mind, on pause, let's come back. There was a book that I had to read a number of years ago in grad school called Pilgrims of Christ on the Muslim Road by Paul Gordon Chandler. Now, this was an incredible book because it showed me that the Bible is a Middle Eastern text. And living in America for my whole life, and I've visited other countries and other continents, I have a bend towards how I will read these passages, especially the book of Romans, which is sometimes quoting this far more older book called Proverbs. 
And if I don't recognize that I am looking at this verse and I'm experiencing it and so are you in a way that's not similar or not the same as the originally intended audience, then you and I are going to miss the point. So this passage seems barbaric, barbaric because we don't live in a Bedouin desert culture. Now that may not seem like a big deal to you, but <laughs> we have to sometimes remember that the Old and New Testaments were written largely by nomadic tribes that eventually transitioned into agrarian and farming cultures in the Fertile Crescent. And they started to develop cities and then more larger governments and, and everything else. But at that point in human history, and maybe you've seen videos of it, um, when you're in the desert, you need fire at night. And I looked this up, but it's possible that when you live in the desert, you can have as much as a 70 degree difference in temperature from the daytime to the nighttime. And not only that, but you can be in the 90s during the daytime, and then the temperature, once the sun goes down, will drop to below freezing. That's a massive swing. And so if you think about it, obviously, there's a lot of documentaries where you might see people in the desert culture bound up at night because it's cold, but all sitting around a fire. That's because fires bring life, <laughs> they bring warmth, they bring, I guess you could say community because people gather around them. Fire is an important element of desert survival if you can. And so in a Bedouin culture, fire is not just fire. It's not just some nicety. No, this is light and life, especially through the cold, dark night. Now, why do I say that? It's because also in Bedouin culture, and this is something that that book brought out, The Pilgrims of Christ on the Muslim Road, he says, we often look at this passage about heaping coals on, our head, on their heads as though it is a way of doing retaliation on our enemies. But it's really rather inconsistent with the rest of the chapter, which talks about repay evil with good, cling to what is good, hate what is evil, respond to people's actions with as much love and generosity and grace and forgiveness as you possibly can, even towards your enemies, the ones that hurt you recently or long ago, whether large or small. But Paul Gordon Chandler, as he was looking at this verse, to him, this passage made so much sense. But in his experience of running into people from a Western culture, he saw that we often misunderstood it. But he said this, in the desert and in Bedouin culture, there are some tribes that still carry things on top of their heads in baskets. And so you've probably seen it. People that not carry backpacks, but instead carry these incredibly 
impressive loads on top of their heads in baskets, balancing them with perfect posture. Let me read the verse again. Ready? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads. You can carry a coal from the fire if it's wrapped properly for miles. I've seen it done, and I've even been able to take a cold or a, a burning coal that doesn't look as lit, and you can kind of brush it off, and actually you can stoke a new fire by breathing onto it and start a new fire. But it was amazing to find out that you can actually wrap them and then carry them. For miles. By blessing those people that curse you, you're not throwing judgment or punishment on them. You're not trying to torture them. In fact, you're giving them life because they do not have a fire of their own. Do good for the right reasons if possible, not for the duplicitous reason of giving back the hurt that they gave you. Instead, change the game. What I think is important in this passage is there's always a part of us that wants to do good for the wrong reasons. That there's a part of us that when we meet someone who has wronged us in some capacity, there's a part of our ego, there's a part of our own little self-righteous project on the side that thinks if I do good, it's going to sting their conscience and it's going to torture them. It's going to be like a burning coal in their conscience. But what if that's doing good for the wrong reasons? You're doing good then for the purpose of still trying to retaliate. What if people are doing hurtful and unimaginable things because they have no light or life or fire in their life? And so this whole passage that says do good to the enemies is actually about do good to them so that they can start to have their own fire and that their fire can be stoked by your fire and then it means your enemies are actually living rather than shivering through the dark cold night. You see what I mean? But this is one of those instances where if you were to read the Bible, you might think that this is archaic or primitive or backwards. But actually, this is a radical concept. Do good to those that have harmed you. And not only that, but do it for the right reasons. Not for the hope of trying to torture them with how good you're being good back. But instead because you want to share life and light and fire with them. It's very fascinating to me that all throughout the scriptures, 
fire is one of the most common images used to talk about God. What does it look like to pass fire onto your enemies who might be shivering in their night? This is radical. Now, not only that, but this passage doesn't say heap a single coal on them. Do one good thing back to your enemies. No, no, no. It says if they're hungry, do this. If they need clothes, do this. And it says heap. That's the verb. Heap coals, plural. Imagine having an enemy come up to you and you see that their basket is completely empty. And so you fill it with as many coals as you can so that it's actually a balancing job where you have to (laughs) where you are heaping coals on their head because you want them to have so much more light and life life and fire than they ever had before this is an incredible passage especially when you understand it in its more proper context Because the person that you had put in your mind from earlier, the person that hurt you or wronged you, maybe they did it intentionally or perhaps they didn't do it intentionally and it just happened. What does it look like not to do good to them because you want to be better than them, but to do good to them because you don't want them shivering? Because they are struggling to have the life and the light and the fire that maybe you have. Wow. And I understand. I have been burned in the past as well. It can be incredibly difficult. And maybe for you to give a coal to your enemy... It doesn't have to be a giant gesture, but you know what? At least give something if you can. There was a situation where a couple of months ago I ran into... (laughs) Enemy is an odd word, but I mean, I ran into somebody that caused me a lot of pain in a Wawa. Well, it wasn't in a Wawa, but I ran into him in a Wawa, but he didn't recognize me. And one of the things in which I did was I remember saying that if I were ever to meet him again, I would want to yell him out or punch him across his face. But instead, I turned around and left. Sometimes being good to your enemy just means not punching them. You can only do what you can do that's true. But we've got to learn to be creative in how we resp- and how we reply to pain and how we reply to hurt. Because like I said before, the cycle can just continue on if you're hell-bent on retaliation. And Romans 12 has very little to do with retaliation, even though it says this odd phrase, heap burning coals in their heads. So let me give you a benediction and then we'll be done because this was like a little mini-sermon. So here we go. May you, the listener, find the the grace and the grit 
and the gratitude necessary to be good to your enemy. May you not be stifling, but instead learn how to share the light and the life and the fire that you have that keeps you going. May you learn to look upon those who have hurt you as though they're shivering through their own night. And so may you do good to those who have hurt you. Not out of retaliation, not out of an effort to try to sting their conscience, but out of a simple generativity that you want them to break their cycle and have more light and life and fire in their life because of you.